0: I'm the associate pastor here. It's my privilege to serve as the associate pastor here at Grace. Thank you for being here this morning. To those of you online, welcome to you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate being part of our worship this morning. Matthew has been away all week with his family on vacation. Uh, Pray for them. They return today. Uh, I don't know if they're on the road yet, but they'll be returning uh, soon. Uh, Just pray for them to have a safe trip back. Uh, Matthew has some uh, errands to run tomorrow, so he won't be back in the office until Tuesday. Uh, But please, pray for the Palmer family as they return home. I know they would appreciate that. Turn in your Bibles to the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please. If you are here last week, you know that Matthew interrupted our uh, sermon series through the Gospel of Mark to begin a brief series of messages that he has entitled God's Values and Grace Church. We'll return to Mark sometime in September, uh, but over the course of seven weeks, starting with last week, Over the course of seven weeks, we're going to highlight several values. These are kingdom values that are important to the Lord, and because they are important to the Lord, they are important to Grace Church. God has revealed to us his values and his standards to help us understand him and how we should relate to one another. Last week, Matthew preached about our Identity in Jesus Christ, our identity in Christ, that we are story-formed. Our identity, Matthew said, is for the sake of making known God's identity. And he answered these questions during his message. What does God think of me? Who does God say that I am? And if you were here, you should have received a handout handout that looked like this start at the top it says who i am in christ Uh, and on this page god bless you on this page uh, there are uh, verses and references statements like you are loved you're accepted you're chosen you're forgiven you're a child of god keep this if you don't have one i'm sure we can give one to you i can make copies for you if you would like but keep it keep it tucked away somewhere where you can see it again it will encourage you when you pull it out again later so week 1 as i said last week was story formed we are story formed and if you look at the screen you'll see where we're headed next week is week 3 we are spirit empowered week 4 we are word driven week 5 community enriched week six mission focused and finally week seven that is september third sunday september third generosity motivated this is where we are that's where we're heading that's where you what you can look forward to in the coming weeks but for today for today the message is on our being a gospel driven church Look at that list again. And hear me closely. Everything, everything about this series is because of the gospel. Everything. What Matthew preached last Sunday, who you are in Christ, it's all because of the gospel. We're empowered by the Spirit of God. The power of God is yours because of the gospel. We're driven by the word of God because the word of God contains the gospel of God. We gather in community with one another because of our shared belief in the gospel. We support missions here. We support missions around the world. Because we want others to hear the message of the gospel. And our giving, our giving each week is motivated by our desire to advance the gospel. It is all about the gospel. So, the title of today's message God's Values and Grace Church, we are gospel driven. Should be in first. Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen. If you'd like a Bible, I can give one to you after the service. We have plenty. We're happy to give them away. I'm in verses 17 and 18 this morning reading from the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. For God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege that is ours to gather together in this room. And I pray your blessing on each person here. God, give them ears to hear, please. Give us ears to hear. The gospel of God is the power of God. May we experience that power this morning. Lord, I pray for Matthew and his family. Keep them safe as they return home. I pray that this has been a wonderful and restful week for them. Lord, I pray for uh, our teachers in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for their commitment to our children and desiring to reach them with the gospel message. Bless each one of them. Thank you for the privilege and the ability to send what we're doing here around the world through the internet. God, may that go smoothly. May there be no interruptions. Lord, I pray for uh, not only Grace Church, but I pray for churches all over this island who are Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches, Uh, not only here on the island, but in Bluffton, in Beaufort, in all of Beaufort County, all across our state, all across our nation, and around the world. There are pastors getting up in pulpits today to preach the gospel message. God, I pray for them. May the gospel have its powerful effect in the hearts and lives of those who hear. And I pray that for us today as well. Lord, bless, please, and have your way. Have your way in us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul... Wrote to the church at Corinth, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul's calling is to preach the gospel. So, what is the gospel? Before I answer that question, let me tell you what the gospel is not. The gospel is not a works based gospel. We do not preach a works-based gospel at Grace Community Church. For years, the scariest passage to me in all of the Bible was found in Matthew chapter 7. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught his disciples and a large crowd of people. And he said these words in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Seriously, did these words, did these verses ever scare you as much as they used to scare me? Did anyone like me ever wonder who then can be saved? Let me start at verse 22, up there on the screen. Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. The words in that day refer to the day of judgment. By then, everyone will know that Jesus is Lord. But it will be too late Look at their arguments for why Jesus should allow them into heaven. I prophesied in your name, Lord. I cast out demons in your name, Lord. I did many wonders in your name. Look at those arguments closely. You don't have to answer this out loud. But I have a question for you. Consider this. What do they all have in common? What do all of these arguments, say it again, I, I did this. I prophesied in your name, so I deserve heaven. I cast out demons in your name, so I deserve something. You owe me. I did many wonders in your name. That is a works-based theology. These are works. They're trusting in their works to save them. The Bible is clear. Works will not save you. But Lord, I went to church almost every Sunday. But Lord, I I prayed a prayer someone told me to pray. Lord, I was baptized. Lord, I taught a Sunday school class. Lord, I went on a mission trip for you. Lord, I was a good person. If you are counting on your works to save you, then be prepared to hear the Lord say back to you, I never knew you. Depart from me. The Apostle Paul wrote these words to Titus. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, 4 through 6 not by works of righteousness which we are which we have done only by god's mercy and by his grace are we saved to the church at ephesus paul wrote this for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works not of works Lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2 8 through 10. Not of works. If salvation is by works, then I can earn it, and I can boast in my own accomplishments. But it doesn't work that way. Verse 9 says we are not saved by good works. But verse 10 says we are saved for good works. There's a difference. Salvation happens only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Salvation happens only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. good works then spring up out of me as a result of my faith and my genuine salvation galatians 2:21 i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness comes through the law if righteousness can be earned by works through obedience to the law then christ died in vain. His death was a waste. A works based gospel is a false gospel. We do not preach a works based gospel at Grace Community Church. Continuing with what the gospel is not, we do not preach a prosperity gospel. The gospel is not a prosperity gospel, it is not a true gospel gospel. The message of the prosperity gospel says God promises health and wealth and power and position to me in exchange for my faithfulness and obedience. So in effect, it says you can manipulate the will of God to accomplish your own will. Financial success can be yours. Material possessions, fame, influence, freedom from illness and disease. It can all be yours. And if these things don't happen for you, then you obviously don't have enough faith. Or you aren't being obedient enough. That's not biblical. Listen to what the Bible says. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 11, 44 and 45. Listen again to what the Bible says. But as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1 15 and 16. God is calling you, Christian, to a life of holiness. But the end goal of those who preach a prosperity gospel is not holiness, it's money, it's material things, it's power. And that's a problem. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes under Holy Spirit inspiration in his first letter to Timothy. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, Reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. Paul is saying to Timothy, if anyone teaches anything that is contrary to the words of Jesus, If anyone teaches anything that is contrary to right doctrine, then that person is, and I love how the Message Bible paraphrases this, then that person is an ignorant windbag (laughs) who infects the air with germs of envy, controversy, bad-mouthing, suspicious rumors. Eventually, there's an epidemic of backstabbing, and truth is but a distant memory. Look at the last half of that verse, verse 5. Think of the second line up from the bottom on the screen. That's the New King James version. They suppose that godliness is a means of gain. The NIV is more specific. The NAV says they have been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is a means to financial gain. New Living Translation says this, to them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. And The Good News Translation says this, they think that religion is a way to become wealthy. Preachers of the prosperity gospel believe this, that religion is simply a means of becoming rich. Paul was warning against this message all the way back in the first century. He was warning people of it. And he ends with these words at the conclusion of verse 5, from such withdraw yourself. If you have your Bible open to 1 Timothy, you may not find those words. From such, withdraw yourself. That phrase is not in all of the Greek manuscripts, so some translations remove it altogether. They omit it uh, from uh, the Bible. The King James Version, the New King James Version, keep it in. From such, withdraw yourself. Stay away from those who preach that message. It is not biblical. In the end... The prosperity gospel is another form of a works-based gospel. If I do this, then God will give me that. He owes me that. And in the end, it's no gospel at all. Finally, we do not preach the gospel of the emergent church. How many of you have heard of the emergent church movement? Some Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. I first heard of the emergent church movement back in maybe 2006 or 2007, but it had been around for years before that. The emergent church is not a cult. It's not a denomination either. As a matter of fact, it would be considered transdenominational, denominational meaning uh, churches from various dom- denominations would identify. Uh, as being part of the emergent church movement, got started when uh, pastors began to consider how to move toward a more post-modern way of doing church. Their thought was, as the culture changes, the church should change too. These pastors believed a new church should emerge in response to the change in culture, which is how the movement got its name. Here's the problem. In moving toward a more postmodern way of doing church, the focus has become less on preaching the gospel and more on having a conversation. They advocate for a new kind of church and a new kind of Christianity. They ask questions like, can the scriptures be fully understood? Can Jesus really be the only way to heaven? Can we really know what is truth? And because they question everything, there are no absolutes. That is the greatest danger. Sin is ambiguous. Doctrinal station statements at most emerging churches are very informal if they exist at all. Listen to what one emergent church pastor said. The center of the gospel of Jesus is that God is going to send you to hell unless you believe in Jesus. So Jesus then rescues you from God. But what kind of God is that that we would need to be rescued from him? This is a pastor speaking. How could that God ever be good or ever be trusted? How could that ever be good news? This is why lots of people want nothing to do with the Christian faith. They see it as an endless list of absurdities and inconsistencies and say, why would I ever want to be part of that? This is a pastor, and he's preaching heresy. To combat heresy, you preach the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. If you question the truth, you question Jesus. Jesus said this as well, your word, thy word, the father's word is truth. John 17:17. 17, 17. God's word, this book contains the truth, grace. This is what we preach. It's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Don't be fooled. In their desire to change the church, they changed the church's message. And they changed the gospel altogether. The gospel of the emergent church is based on a lie and is not a gospel at all. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul's calling was to preach the gospel message. But what is the gospel? Fifteen Sundays ago, that was back on Sunday, April 16th, I stood here and preached a message titled, The Gospel is True, So Now What? You may remember that by its subtitle, The Parable of the Dash Cam Video. In that message, I defined what the gospel is. By way of review, the word that is translated gospel in 1 Corinthians 1.17 comes from the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion. It looks like that on the screen. Euangelion. If you were here three and a half months ago, I hope you remember this. That word on the screen is a word that was associated with victory on the battlefield. When a messenger arrived to share a report of victory in battle, that news was called euangelion. Good news. If you look at that word closely, you see the word angel in the middle of it. Angel. An angel is a messenger of God. It was a messenger of God who brought good news to the shepherds when Jesus was born. This is what the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The verb form of euangelion is found in verse 10. Do not be afraid. I bring you Like a messenger bringing good news from the battlefield. The angel is bringing good news to the shepherds. The Messiah, our Savior, has been born. That is euangelion. It's good news. The old English translation of euangelion was the word spool. You may remember this. spool. Up on the screen right now, it looks like God spell is pronounced "goadspell," long O sound. It's a mashup of two words. The word goad meaning good, the word spell meaning story or message. And it's from that word goadspell that we get today's English word gospel. Good news. Good story. Good message. So you know what the gospel isn't. You know how the gospel is defined. But still, what is the gospel? What is it that Paul was called to preach? What is it that Matthew and I and others who stand behind this podium are called to preach each week? The answer is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read them again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God called Paul to preach. The gospel, not with wisdom of words, not in a way that was going to impress with his intellect or his ability as a public speaker. It's not the style of preaching that has the power to save. It's the gospel itself that contains that power. And the gospel is the message of the cross. Say it again. The gospel is the message of the cross. It's the message of the cross that we preach at Grace. It's the message of the cross that has the power to save. It's the message of the cross that changes lives. And because it was on the cross that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for your sins and for mine, we have hope. We have hope. The Bible says this. By the way, let me stop right here. I'm speaking to Christians right now. If you're not sure, if you're not sure you're saved, you you don't have to pay attention to this next five seconds. Christians, start praying. You hear me? Start praying. Bible says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. That is bad news. To sin literally means to miss the mark. God has a standard and you cannot reach it. The Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, the first half of that verse. That's more bad news. Sin deserves punishment. Back in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus said, I never knew you, depart from me. He is sending them to their eternal punishment. And that is hell. Yes, hell is real. But there is good news. The Bible says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you on the cross. And praise God, he didn't wait for you to clean up your act before dying. Praise God. There's more good news. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. You hear that? Jesus died for your sins. He paid the penalty for your sins. He took the punishment that you deserved, that I deserved, and took it upon himself on a cross. Why? Because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. He wants you to spend eternity with him. The hope of eternal life is yours. It is God's free gift to you, just waiting for you to receive. So how can you receive it? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I read these words from Matthew chapter 7 earlier. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What is the will of God? Listen to these words from Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son And believes in him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. God's will is for you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. That is God's will for you. If you believe that with your whole heart, you will spend eternity with him in heaven. And that, dear Grace, is euangelion. It is good news. And not only is it what we preach at Grace, everything we do here is because of it. I close with this. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, but I am confident uh, that uh, not only I, but Matthew... Our elders, all of the leadership at Grace, are in full agreement with these words from Paul. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, Let him be accursed. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Before I pray, let me just say this. If any of this is new to you, if you are not sure of where you're headed when you die, I would love to speak to you. Please, please see me. After the service, I want to speak to you. If right after the service is not a good time, please call the church office. Set up an appointment with me. I would love to meet with you this week. I'd love to tell more. love to share more about the gospel with you. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the gospel message. Surely it wasn't preached with wisdom of words this morning. But by your grace, I pray that you will use it and do a work in the hearts and lives of people today. Bless the remainder of our time together in Jesus' name. Amen.